Welcome to First Formation, a weekday podcast for high church lowlifes like me, Logan Isaac, looking to get the fuck up and pray. This is where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hearty folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. A podcast for anyone who cares for soldiers and veterans enough to follow us into the mud and the suck, to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 122. I rejoiced with those who said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. That is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord according to the statute given to Israel. There stands the throne for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, Peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. Esther chapter 8 That same day, King Xerxes gave Queen Esther the the estate of Haman, the enemy of the Jews. And Mordecai came into the presence of the king, for Esther had told how he was related to her. The king took off his signet ring, which he had reclaimed from Haman, and presented it to Mordecai, and Esther appointed him over Haman's estate. Esther again pleaded with the king, falling at his feet and weeping. She begged him to put an end to the evil plan of Haman the Agakite, which he had devised against the Jews. Then the king extended the gold scepter to Esther, and she arose and stood before him. If it pleases the king, she said, and if it regards and if he regards me with a favor with favor and thinks it is the right thing to do, and if he is pleased with me, let an order be written overruling the dispatches that Haman, son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, devised and wrote to destroy the Jews in all the king's provinces. For how can I bear to see disaster fall on my people? How can I bear to see the destruction of my family? King Xerxes replied to Queen Esther and to Mordecai the Jew, Because Haman attacked the Jews, I have given his estate to Esther, and they have impaled him on the pole he set up. Now write another decree in the king's name in behalf of the Jews as seems best to you, and seal it with the king's signet ring, for no document written in the king's name and sealed with his ring can be revoked. At once the royal secretaries were summoned. On the twenty-third day of the third month, the month of Sivan, they wrote out all Mordecai's orders to the Jews and to the satraps, governors, and nobles of the hundred and twenty-seven provinces stretching from India to Kush. These orders were written in the script of each province and the language of each people, and also to the Jews in their own script and language. Mordecai wrote in the name of King Xerxes, sealed the dispatches with the king's signet ring, and sent them by mounted couriers, who rode fast horses especially bred for the king. The king's edict granted the Jews in every city the right to assemble and protect themselves, to destroy, kill, and annihilate the armed men of any nationality or province who might attack them and their women and children, and to plunder the property of their enemies. The day appointed for the Jews to do this in all the provinces of King Xerxes 
was the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, the month of Adar. A copy of the text of the edict was to be issued as law in every province and made known to the people of every nationality, so that the Jews would be ready on that day to avenge themselves on their enemies. The couriers riding the royal horses went out, spurred on by the king's command, and the edict was issued in the citadel of Susa. When Mordecai left the king's presence, he was wearing royal garments of blue and white, a large crown of gold and a purple robe of fine linen. In the city of Susa held a joyous celebration. For the Jews, it was a time of happiness and joy, gladness and honor. In every province and in every city to which the edict of the king came, there was joy and gladness among the Jews, with feasting and celebrating. And many people of other nationalities became Jews because fear of the Jews had seized them. Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. To the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These are the words of him who is first and last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. Uh, Last night, I... um, I had a late night because I was um, attending the 115th Congress's first um, uh, congressional hearing on suicide prevention. That's something I'd been tracking um, since it was announced several weeks ago. In fact, I got in trouble because when I was given the name for the <laughs> for the hearing, I tweeted out the information because I'd been waiting for some time for you know, that information, and I was kind of uh, rebuked by the <laughs> congressional staff, uh, the committee staff, um, for um, tweeting it out before they had a chance to, like, break the news or something. Um, but it was interesting. I hadn't been to a congressional hearing before, um, and I, I, I tweeted it, or I live-tweeted it as uh, PewPewHQ, um, but I use the first person, um, which I'm, I'm trying to be, uh, pretty deliberate about. Um, and early on, I, I, uh, reflected that it felt like an echo chamber, like I was inside an echo chamber that, um, I have these, you know, an angle at which I see suicide and it's not, exclusively through mental health or um, medical interventions like medication or something. Um, And I've been talking to different um, congressional members, staff about this. And um, the, I don't know, the sense was just kind of, in my own little world was like, everybody knows what they're going to talk about. 
It's going to be mental health. It's going to be like what the VA is doing. And it's not going to be about legislative solutions that Congress has at its disposal, um, like closing loopholes to provide better employment protections for all vets instead of some vets um, in terms of VEVRA. Um, and, and I don't know, it just seems, it seems odd to me that we've gotten into this way of talking about suicide and solutions for suicide that we don't seem to even be aware of prior work that's already been done. But the, the, the echo chamber thing, um, made me think of, um, you know, what it's, what it may be like to have been, uh, you know, a Jew in, um, in Queen Esther's time where you've, you've got this, you know, you're not overtly persecuted. There's some, certainly some, uh, some danger. Um, but you get this, you have this idea of like, look, we, we're pretty sure we know a, a different way to think about the world. Um, and not even during Queen Esther's time as a minority, um, social group within a dominant culture that's really powerful. Um, the, the body of Christ historically, um, that's kind of been their story. The Bible was compiled by, um, tiny little groups that the Roman government just thought like, well, I don't know what the hell is going on. Um, or by the Babylonians or the uh, Assyrians. Um, but, um, yeah, last night was, there's some certainly some testimony that gave me hope that the VA really is, um, doing their best, um, without that being, you know, without any implications that like, I'm being sarcastic. Um, the, um, and it's also interesting to think about like at this macro level, how these decisions, um, trickle down in our in, and, and influence the lives of individual veterans. Um, there's one moment where uh, a congresswoman asked, you know, uh, these screenings, how often are employees at the VA doing these suicide screenings? And the response was like, oh, you know, we, we do it all the time. It's, it's mandatory. Everybody's trained. And I was like nodding my head. Yeah. Because I, I, think, I think they do a suicide screening every single time you see a nurse. Um, it's not like a front desk, but like they, I don't know, I think it's every single visit they ask me about these suicide questions, which on the one hand is probably effective for someone who, who is actively or, or I don't know, maybe more actively than me considering suicide. Um, but the very act of talking about it so constantly keeps that at the forefront of my mind, like everybody thinks I'm suicidal because everybody keeps asking me if I'm suicidal. Um, so it creates this kind of narrative of, um, yeah, that, that kind of keeps that echo chamber in place of the rest of society surely must be okay. And there must surely be something off with me. Um, because everybody else doesn't get asked these suicide questions and, um, uh, everybody else seems to know what's going on and the, the kind of debate publicly is decided. Um, but to be a, a marginalized population within society is this really interesting experience and for me, especially who's otherwise, um, pretty, um, privileged in terms of race, sexuality, um, gender. Um, but veteran status has this 
weird kind of experience connected to it. Um, so that's why I'm kind of rambling and I'm tired because it went pretty late. Um, but I, uh, I did have a really interesting experience and you can find all those tweets on PPHQ's um, Twitter feed. Um, you can also see, uh, I think I created what I called a short sheet um, with proposed questions that I had hoped some of the congressional members might ask the witnesses. Some of the questions got close to some of the uh, core concerns for the GI Justice campaign, but most of them were kind of um, were kind of predictable. Um, but uh, the GI Justice campaign is um, kind of in full swing. I hope uh, to continue to provide updates online somewhere. Um, but if you haven't yet, check out uh, GIJustice.com. It's kind of main thing besides first formation that, uh, that I'm doing as PPUHQ. Um, but, uh, I don't know, some of these readings are kind of all over the place. So it's, it's difficult to find, <laughs> uh, uh, kind of a foothold for what it is that these readings in Eastertide are, are hoping to say. But in the meantime, I'm, uh, I think that's part of, um, morning prayer and reflecting on scripture that that we don't choose is sometimes it's more difficult to find meaning and find a coherent kind of interpretive move um, to uh, to make sense of of what you're being given uh, but that's also kind of a, a fun little task and it just happens that sometimes it's more of a stretch than others Prayer for those who influence public opinion from the Book of Common Prayer. Almighty God, you proclaim your truth in every age by many voices. Direct in our time, we pray, those who speak where many listen and write what many read, that they may do their part in making the heart of this people wise, its mind sound, and its will righteous. To the honor of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for falling into Pew Pew HQ's First Formation, where we share morning prayers for the humble, hearty folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, I hope you'll consider participating in one of the three following ways. First, you can support this podcast with a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash firstformation. You can sponsor morning prayer for Pew Pew people with as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host yourself by recording a lectionary reading and sending it to me to be included in a weekday episode of your choosing. Instructions for co-hosts can be found in earlier episodes, and you don't have to be a grunt to participate in First Formation in this or any way. Finally, and maybe most importantly, you can send me your prayer requests of a minute or less with a voice message feature on Anchor's iOS or Android apps. Prayers may be added to a morning prayer episode, aired anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in morning prayers for Pew Pew people. I hope you will continue to listen in and maybe even consider participating yourself. This has been and always will be Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.